Jesus. Have you thought about having a revival at St. Margaret's Frising Hall? Um, and it stayed with me. Though we are going into autumn, perhaps this is the word of the Spirit to us as a church. It is springtime. When will you bloom if not here and now? Moses asks and encounters the very real and life-changing presence of God. Now, it can be a bit confusing when we talk about the presence of God because, of course, God is everywhere. You know, he's omnipresent. We, um, we sense his presence in the beauty of a sunset or the grandeur of a mountain scene or the joy of a newborn baby. But there is another sense to his presence, not a general sense or far away, but close, very real, Two words in this passage, two Hebrew words, the Shekinah, the cloud of God's presence. And another word, Hebrew word, the kabod. It's, it means the weightiness of God's presence, as if God's presence uh, carries something within it. As if you, it's, it's tangible. You, you can feel it. And we, all feel, we experience it in different ways. You know, Pentecostals call it the glory bumps <laughs> on, on, your, on your arms or your back. But we feel it in different ways. Um, and I think we've experienced that a little bit in our times of worship in the past few weeks. If, I think it was about a month ago, Jamie, was lead, I admit Jamie and I were leading, and there was an incredible sense of the presence of God. And there was children, and the children were quiet for about five minutes because the Spirit of God was resting. And I didn't know what to do, um, <laughs> but the God was here with us. Um, many of you will know I, I, I've been through a very challenging season of life time through the breakdown of my marriage and um, I've never experienced God so close the presence of God so close with me in such a sustained way just last Saturday I was cooking breakfast after parkrun which I attend religiously like church <laughs> um, and uh, I had some worship music on and I was singing along and then, the, I can't describe it in any better words, but the glory of God filled the kitchen. Um, and in, in such a weighty way that I actually sat down on the floor of the kitchen because I thought, I'm not sure I can stand any longer. And I, I sat there and I actually cried uh, for quite a while. And it's not because I was sad, but it's because I was overwhelmed in the presence of God, his goodness and his kindness towards me. And I don't share that to think, oh, it's, it's good that the vicar's holy. <laughs> Just some praying when he's not here. Um, I actually feel, I feel more weak and I actually feel more aware of my own sin and selfishness than I ever have in my life before. Um, but I share it as a testimony to build in us hunger. The kind of hunger that Moses had when he said, show me your glory. When we're at home, when we're together, and we come with an expectation and a prayer, Lord, show me your glory. Secondly, his presence reveals his character. His presence reveals his character. Verse 6 of chapter 34 that Pam read, it's apparently the most quoted verse of the Old Testament by the Old Testament. So it's the most famous Bible passage according to the Bible. Um, he passes in front of Moses, declaring his name, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin, 
yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. Encounters with God, they're not just spiritual highs. They show us what he's like. His presence reveals his character. Like many young people, I grew up going to Soul Survivor, and that was a really important um, thing within my Christian journey. Every year we'd go camping and learn about God. And, but the thing that was most special about Soul Survivor was the presence of God. That's the thing I remember the most, presence of God in worship. Um, Mike Pilavacci, who leads Soul Survivors, it doesn't, it doesn't run anymore, recently finished. Um, but he has this story where he shares about one of the first festivals in the mid-90s. And uh, a bunch of lads had come with one of the youth groups, and so they were quite tough and quite distant during the worship. But over the week, they became followers of Jesus and had transforming encounters with the Holy Spirit. Um, and at the end, they'd come to thank Mike uh, for the festival at, at the front um, of the stage. And he's, he says, and, and I asked them, when was it? When was it that you decided to accept Jesus into your life? When did it click? When did you realize how much he loves you? Fishing, expecting them to say, well, Mike, it was, it was that sermon, which was very funny. Um, <laughs> and you, you talked to us about the cross of Jesus, and that's when we decided to give our lives. And, and you know, what each of them said was, it was in worship. It was in the presence of God that we realized who he was. That was the most important, most special part of the festival. I'm not saying that the teaching wasn't important, but it was the presence of God um, in worship. Moses says, show me your glory. And the Lord replies, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will declare my name. And as I've already said, the name, it means more than that. I will declare my character, my nature. I'll tell you what I'm like in your presence. And again, I, I share from my own personal story, there's lots of things that have happened to me and to my family in recent times that have caused me to doubt the goodness of God. And, you know, if all I had were doctrines of the goodness of God and of his faithfulness and grace and truth, if all I had was what happens up here in my mind and maybe what I read, you know, honestly, please accept this in the best way, but I'm not sure that would be enough. I'm not sure that would have got me through um, doubting God's goodness. And yet, I don't doubt God's goodness. And the thing, the reason is, is his presence with me. is in his his presence and closeness has revealed his character. Has, he's, he's shown me what, his, what he's like uh, just by being with me in a very difficult time. And I can say completely, I, I know God is good because I know. Because I know. <laughs> because he's with me and I know. Encounters with God through the Holy Spirit always reveal something of his character. He causes his love to pass in front of you. And you know the end and goal of discipleship and devotion, that you are the beloved, that he loves you, that you are the beloved of God. He causes his holiness and mercy to pass in front of you, that you know he's utterly different and peculiar and wonderful, perhaps even strange, different. And he abhors sin. And yet he welcomes you, me, the sinner. He causes 
his grace, his kindness, his compassion, his power, his justice to pass in front of you. Knowing that he is against the proud and will raise up the humble. Knowing that there will be a reckoning and a recompense for all those who have suffered so much by the hands of others. Desire the encounter. That's one of my main messages to us this morning. Desire the encounter. Pray, revive me, Lord. Awaken me, Lord. Show me your glory. And thirdly and finally, I want to talk about stiff necks. God goes where he's wanted. God goes where he's wanted. The passage that I mentioned at the start, Isaiah 6, when I talked about the queen and how I felt the Lord share, put on my heart that passage just in the moment that she was dying, actually. Um, In that passage, after the encounter or during the encounter, Isaiah says to God, when he says, who will go for me? Um, And so who will give this message to Israel? Isaiah, Isaiah says, when he's aware of God's holiness, and this is the reality for every human being, when they, become, when they encounter a holy God, their reaction is, but I am a person of unclean lips, and I live amongst the people of unclean lips. And Moses says something similar. He says, uh, so Moses bowed down to the ground at once and worshipped. This is verse 8. Lord, if I have found favor in your eyes, then go with us. Although this is a stiff-necked people, forgive our wickedness and sin." And take us as your inheritance. Stiff-necked. It's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Um, It means our attention is on other things other than God. And our necks are stiff, so it's hard to move them. I desire revival in my life. Awakening. I desire revival in this church. um, And the community of Frisinghall. No idea what it would look like. But I feel I've got rumors and whispers of what it could look like. Uh, I desire revival in Bradford and in England, but the north first. The south have had enough. (laughs) It will start here. Um, And uh, maybe we ought to pray and fast. Maybe we ought to beg God and shout at him to rend the heavens and come down. And maybe all of those things would be good and there may be a time to do those things. And yet it boils down to the simple fact that God goes where he's wanted. And it's difficult really to desire God like that when you're busy worshipping other things, when you've got a stiff neck, when you're distracted. Stiff-necked, it's about idolatry. Um, the, best way, the best way to prefer to God to move in your life, to allow a hunger and appetite for God to grow where you can honestly pray that prayer, show me your glory, revive me, Lord. The best way to begin to prepare is to smash your idols. An idol is anything in addition to God that you need to make you happy. An idol is anything in addition to God that you need to make you happy. If you don't have it, you get dead grumpy. It's probably an idol if that's the case. Ask the Lord and he'll begin to tell you. I mean, honestly, I found that he's very kind. He doesn't tell you all at once. He just tells you bit by bit and leads you on the journey. Um, It's hard to maintain a desire for the Lord if you're struggling with addiction, if you're struggling with an addiction to online pornography or uh, an unhelpful relationship with alcohol. Um, 
Your idol might be wallowing in self-pity. Your idol may even be, and it's not, you haven't got one, you've got, I've got loads. <laughs> um, it may even be um, that you're struggling to forgive someone. It's harder if they haven't asked for forgiveness, but the Lord, it, 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 it may well be holding you back that uh, you can't forgive them because your victimhood has become an idol. It's become something that props you up. The smashing of idols is rarely as simple as just smashing stuff. But sometimes it is as simple as that. <laughs> um, and often we need God's help with our stiff necks. So it's not just about willpower, trying hard, uh, you know, get busy for Jesus. Uh, we actually need his help in this. It may be that as I've started to share, the Holy Spirit has already begun to gently put his finger on an area of your life that he is asking you to change and to bring to him. To allow the great physician to work on that area of your life. If it's an addiction, then my experience is, is that it takes more than willpower to break that, actually. And you need God's grace. And I believe that the Lord can break that off you here and now. I believe, I believe that's possible. It doesn't always happen here and now, but I believe that's possible. And then it will take... It will take hard work to work out the journey after that. And you'll need other people around you, so you'll need to share that if, if that's where you're at this morning because you, you won't be able to do it by yourself. And this is actually at the heart of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, we, we came to believe that there wasn't enough power within us to break the chains that had been built around us, but we required God, a power greater than ourselves, to give ourselves over to him in order that he might give ourselves back to restore our sanity. God goes where he's wanted. Revival, whether personal or many people, it begins with repentance, turning away from self-sufficiency, from the games we've played, from our clever strategies, and saying, God, we need you. We need you. We can't do this by ourselves. We need you. I need you in my life. So in ending, this, I believe, is the Holy Spirit's word to us as St. Margaret's Frising Hall. It is springtime. <laughs> when will you bloom if not here and now? Wake up, I say this to myself as well, wake up, frozen Christian, and let him shine on you. Wake up, frozen Christian, and let him shine on you. When, I, when I'm speaking to you, I'm, Please know, I'm, I'm speaking to myself just as much. Um, do you want to be revived? Do you want to experience a spiritual awakening? Wouldn't it be wonderful if a few of us had a revival? One or two had a revival in their lives and God became really present. That would be great. I would rejoice. I think there's already a few people that are experiencing that, actually. I don't want to say it to make them feel funny <laughs> but I think I've seen one or two I think they're having a revival in their lives and wouldn't it be great because this is how it happens you know they tell the stories of revival and it sounds like hundreds of thousands of people got it all at once it starts off with ones or, or twos who the Lord moves in their life and they have an awakening and they wake up to the things of God and, and they're, they become more aware of the presence of God and in fact the presence of God is made more manifest in their lives and then like a holy contagion, a virus. It may be spread to 
to, to more of us. Maybe the vicar. <laughs> Maybe I might catch it. Um, until, until it could be said that we, St. Margaret's Brisinghall, are having an awakening, a revival, because the Lord's meeting with us in our worship and in our teaching with our young people. And then, praise God, maybe it might, might be really catching. Uh, maybe the, the R number may, may be in our favor. Or maybe the Lord may bless us in that way. And uh, the community, may it begin to affect the community. And uh, the city of Bradford. And you know, revival never happens from never occurs to the places where you think it might do. It always happens on the edge. Uh, like places like Frising Hall. <laughs> That's the Lord's sense of humour. People, scallywags like St. Francis. Uh, that's the way the Lord uh, uh, blesses. And, and we see in history, this is the pattern. Um, God goes where he's wanted. Do, do you want him? Do you want him? Will you join me in praying for yourself? Maybe you might, ca- I hope, I'm carrying this. I hope you might carry this into the weeks and months and into this sermon series so we, you know, so we, we keep with this. Pray for yourself. Lord, revive me. Awaken me. It's springtime. I want to bloom. Wake up frozen Christian and let him shine on you. I'm going to move into worship. So if Jamie and Roy could gather up, I'll, I'll go to the back, Jamie, to take on the um, computer in a moment. But uh, Let's stand. Can I invite you to stand? Is that okay? And, and um, what I'm going to do, and I don't want anyone to feel uncomfortable, um, but I'll model it. I'm just going to um, put my hands out in front of me. And this is just a way, um, asking the Lord, uh, being open to receiving from the Lord. And uh, I believe this is a prayer for us for a season, about uh, awakening us, reviving us. Uh, but he's not... He's not a God of the past or the future. He is in the present. So he, he desires to meet with us now. He may also have a plan to meet with us in a special way in a month's time. But he desires to meet with us now. And so um, let's have, let's not, get, let's not hype it up. <laughs> We're not about that. But uh, let's say, Lord, would you come? And as we sing, and these, we're going to sing some favorite songs of Queen Elizabeth. Uh, I pray that he does. So let's pray. Come Holy Spirit of God. We are hungry. Thirsty for you. Fed up with our own plans, games and strategies. Lord, we want you. Lord, I repent of my own sinfulness, my own stiff neck. Lord, I pray that you'd give me grace and us to yield, to bend to you. Revive us, Lord. Awaken us. As much for ourselves as for the people around us. Come, Holy Spirit.